The Island Digest is a sampling of the stories in this week's Journal of the San Juans, Islands Sounder, and Islands Weekly, which are on newsstands now. The October 19, 2022 edition is brought to you by Orcus Center. I'm Caleb Summers. Headlines from the week of October 19, 2022. Minky Whale Dies After Being Struck by Large Vessel Islanders Feel Sticker Shock at Change of Property Values Heartbreaking Soccer Loss County Council Approves $3.5 million Commitment to Affordable Housing Plus Choice Excerpts from the Sheriff's Log from the Island's Sounder, Minky Whale Dies After Being Struck by Large Vessel By Colleen Smith Summers A 24-foot minky whale died after being struck by a large vessel in San Juan County waters. It had a mouth full of tiny fish, so it was likely feeding and rolling around and not paying attention, said Dr. Joe Gatos, chief scientist for the Sea Dog Society. After the crew of a commercial vessel found the female baleen whale floating in Caillou Channel on October 5th, it was reported to the Whale Museum's stranding hotline. It was located by San Juan County Marine Mammal Stranding Network coordinator Jessica Farrer and towed to a private beach on Blakely Island by the U.S. Coast Guard. Under the authorization of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, scientists and veterinarians from the Stranding Network, Cascadia Research Collective, World Vets, and the Sea Dog Society performed a complete necropsy. It takes a lot of hands, Gatos said. While lab results of tissue samples are still pending, an initial exam suggests the mammal was struck by a large boat. Severe bruising was present in almost a straight line on the left side of her body, extending from just behind her head to the end of her abdomen. Her fifth rib was broken in half. Part of her vertebrae was broken, and there was extensive bleeding in the lungs. This was definitely not from a pleasure craft. We're guessing it was a container ship, Gatos said. Some of the boats are so big that they don't know they've hit anything. Added Farrer, while it is always sad to find a dead whale, we were pleased that we could determine the cause of death. It is work like this that will provide the data that will one day enable us to modify shipping lanes or vessel speeds to reduce this type of tragedy. Minky whales first started being studied in the San Juan Islands in 1980, and many are known individually. Marine Project Manager for San Juan County, Frankie Robertson, has been tracking individual whales since 2005 with the Northeast Pacific Minke Whale Project. On average, there are maybe 12 minkies, thought to be primarily females, encountered per year in the county. I am kind of the last hurrah for minke whales in Washington State, Robertson said. They appear to be naturally rare in Puget Sound, there are so many other species here competing for forage fish, and that's what they eat. The deceased minke is one that Robertson identified as SJ20-32 and was fondly known as Al Pacino 
by the minke whale project due to scarring on her body. We tend to name them for aging or dead rock stars or movie stars. As minke whale researchers, I feel we have that prerogative, laughed Robertson. Maybe she should be Ali Pacino. Strangely, another minke whale, Zeke, who was thought to be around 40 years old, died last week from a transient killer whale attack. We've lost two in a short time, Robertson said. Gatos explained that the population of gray and humpback whales in the Salish Sea is growing, and when combined with large vessels traveling faster than ever before, it has resulted in more collisions. Necropsies must be permitted under NOAA. This is to ensure all the information goes to where it can make a difference, Gatos said. You can see trends and make adjustments. People are really trying to do the right thing, and I love that. The shipping companies don't want to hit whales either. Gatos calls minkies the greyhounds of the baleen whales, who can often outrun an attack from an orca. This minky had scars from either cookie-cutter sharks or lamprey, as well as scars on its tail from killer whale bites. Minky whales are real athletes, he said. It's challenging to determine the age of the deceased mammal, because unlike orcas, who have teeth that can be bisected and their age counted by the number of rings inside, like trees, minkies have baleen, a bristle-like filter-feeding system inside their mouths. These baleen plates trap the whale's prey, krill, plankton, and small fish, from seawater inside their mouths. The ovaries of the dead whale indicate she was of childbearing age. Instead of cutting through the bone, the team of scientists disengaged the skeleton so it can be preserved after it decomposes naturally on the beach. Farrer said it is possible the minke whale skeleton will be preserved in the future for the public to view. This is the first minke whale that Gatos has observed in detail. As sad as it is when this happens, the minke was an amazing creature to see up close, he said. To report a marine mammal stranding in San Juan County, call 1-800-562-8832 or email hotline at whalemuseum.org. From the Journal of the San Juans, Islanders Feel Sticker Shock at Change of Property Values by Catherine Wheeler On October 3rd, the San Juan County Assessor's Office released its yearly Change of Value Notices to county property owners. A Change of Value Notice is sent out when a property has been assessed as being higher or lower than the previous year's value, based on the county's assessment team. This year, 1,600 change-of-value notices were sent out for residents, a rise of 200 from last year. Property values have long been a discussion on San Juan Island, where a common sentiment expressed is the high cost of housing. It is widely acknowledged that housing costs have been on a steady rise in the county due to the increased popularity of the islands as a place to live. Re-evaluations of every property in the county, based on market value, are conducted each year, while physical inspections occur in different tax districts every six years. 
This year's inspection cycle included 2,782 properties in the central areas of the town of Friday Harbor and Brown and Dinner Islands, including inspections of 762 newly constructed parcels. According to the San Juan County Assessor's website, the total assessed value for San Juan County is $12.5 billion including $129 million in new construction value. The assessed value increased $2.735 million over last year. While this may seem like a significant change, John Colseth, chief assessor for the county, explained that the increase in value notices is actually not significantly different from recent years or cause for concern. Valuation can be a tricky process. Colseth explained. People are arguing about our opinion of value for their property, he continued. People that are not trying to buy think they were too high. People that are trying to sell think they're too low. Assessment can feel personal to many, causing arguments with the assessor's office and appeals. Homeowners may appeal the change of value notice formally within 30 days of receiving it in early October. When this happens, Colseth will go over the numbers and, according to him, make sure our records are correct and make sure the inspector was accurate and there haven't been changes from the last inspection. He emphasized that while it's difficult when he encounters an angry resident, it's a good and necessary part of the due process. Colseth wants to make it clear that the thing that is important to remember with these notices is that it is an objective process. We are trying to reflect the market. Colseth explained that there are common misunderstandings regarding change of value notices. Often, people believe that if property values fluctuate, so will property taxes. When asked about this, Colseth admitted that it is a really tough question to answer. What drives taxes is the budget of the tax districts, he said, not value assessments. According to the website for the Department of Revenue for Washington State, property taxes are limited to a 1% rise per year, unless residents vote yes on proposed bills that cause it to rise. This 1% property tax is levied by the state, counties, cities, schools, and several other junior taxing districts, such as fire districts and hospitals. The annual tax statement residents receive in February breaks down these levies by district, with each district applying a specific rate, which are added together to determine how much property tax a resident will pay. While the state has a strict 1% property tax per taxing district, it doesn't necessarily apply to taxation on an individual home. Rates on individual homes depend on a property's assessed value in relation to the value of other properties in their taxing district, not in the county as a whole. If a property rises significantly in a year, often associated with home improvements, then their property taxes are likely to go up that year. Assessors use data from the previous year's sales, which means it reflects the market from the prior year, not the current. While it won't be clear how property taxes will fluctuate until they are calculated in January, Colseth can state one thing for certain. People are just paying a lot of money for property around here. 
Kulseth has claimed to witness local bidding wars, escalation clauses, and general market volatility in the past few years. Some of this he can attribute to the influx of remote workers due to the pandemic, and some to general rising costs of property ownership nationally. The changing market has a number of contributing factors, just like taxation, many of which can be hard to understand, especially for the common citizen. As a property owner himself, Colseth empathizes with citizens. People's taxes going up is difficult for all of us, he stated, adding that I would be in the line of people that says the system is not working very well. While the legislature is currently trying to figure out a better way to fund government services, not just through property taxes, the system stands with no signs of changing any time soon. Despite the confusion and stress that the system can elicit, Colseth believes that the real estate market is generally a good investment and does tend to go up year after year. In these times of instability, I was elected to follow the laws, and I think that we're doing a good job doing that, Colseth assured. I keep telling myself to come in here and do as fair and honest a job as I possibly can. To learn more about how property taxes are calculated, visit the Department for Revenue in Washington State. Senior citizens, nonprofits, homeowners with limited income, widowers of a veteran, or those experiencing a disability may be eligible for a tax exemption or referral. All of the above information can be found at dor.wa.gov. To speak to someone about the process, email the San Juan County Assessor's Office at assessor at sanjuanco.com or call 360-378-2172. From the Islands Weekly, Heartbreaking Soccer Loss by Gene Helfman. On September 13th, the Lobos soccer team began their season with an away match at Providence Classical Christian, last year's runners-up at State. The outcome was less than hoped for, Lopez falling to the Highlanders 5-1. Not the worst showing for a Lopez soccer team against a strong opponent, but not necessarily how the Lobos wanted to start their season. The team was determined to do better next time, when Providence would play Lopez on October 10th. That rematch started very differently. Play through the first half was even, the ball equally on either side of the pitch, the defenses holding strong, neither team scoring. Then, at 23 minutes in, Malachi Carey took a high pass from Ethan Patrick and headed the ball into the right side of the Providence net. one nothing Lopez. The Lobos had one other promising scoring opportunity late in the half on a penalty kick, but the Providence keeper just managed to save, and the half ended Lopez 1, Providence 0. Play in the second half was strategic, Lopez pulling back and defending well. The Lobos were headed for a well-earned win when, with only six minutes remaining, a Providence forward intercepted a throw-in near the goal. His shot glanced off a Lopez defender and arced just over Lopez keeper Levi McLaren's outstretched arms. Official time ended in a one-to-one -one tie. 
leading to a 10-minute overtime. Neither team scored, prompting a penalty kick shootout. Providence prevailed, and the final score was a heartbreaking 2-1 Lopez loss. A dispirited Lopez squad gathered after the game. Coach Micah Krauschar was enthusiastic about how well Lopez played, despite the outcome, saying, That was by far the best game you all have played together. It was a beautiful game of soccer. Assistant coach Tomer Roche concurred, adding, I'm super proud of you. Lopez has remaining home matches against Laconer October 13th and Mount Vernon Christian October 25th. In county news, Council approves $3.5 million for affordable housing by Toby Cooper. Marking the latest milestone for the four-year-old home fund, San Juan County's voter-approved real estate excise tax-funded affordable housing treasure chest, the County Council met October 11th to unanimously approve a $3.5 million new money commitment for the coming fiscal year. The money becomes the home fund's share of three priority projects, Opal's Kidder Lane Project on Orcas, Lopez Village North, and Fisherman Bay Curve on Lopez, which together will total $20 million in construction costs. The balance of the funding will come from loans, state housing trust fund grants, and a bevy of generous private donors. The home fund is healthy, said Ryan Page, the county's housing program manager, who administers the fund from his office at the Orcas Senior Center. Revenues have exceeded the expectations established by the 2018 ballot measure. Every dollar that has come in has been committed and continues to move straight out the door. San Juan County is but a microcosm of a housing crisis, which by most measures spans the globe. But by tagging a 0.5% excise tax on county real estate sales transactions, mirroring the existing 1% tax structure that funds the San Juan County Land Bank, San Juan County became uniquely qualified to compete for grants from the Washington State Housing Trust Fund. An affordable housing fund was an idea whose time had come, said Anne-Marie Shanks, one of the proponents of the 2018 ballot measure, which gained a 55% yes vote. The Home Fund was originally projected to generate $15.2 million over a 12-year period to support acquisition, building, rehabilitation, and maintenance of housing for very low, low, and moderate-income persons and those with special needs. Page reports cumulative home fund revenues to date are above $10 million, pacing ahead of projections. Annual awards from the fund since 2019 have averaged $2.7 million per year. The pace of revenues has slowed in 2022, not unexpected in this time of rising interest rates. Reflecting on the success of the fund, the Opal Community Land Trust's veteran executive director, Lisa Byers, agreed with Page that the fund was fortuitously launched at the onset of a region-wide real estate boom that spilled onto our islands with a vengeance. But since home fund revenues are a direct function of residential transactions, Byers sees that 
The problem is helping to fund the solution. But the question remains, is San Juan County making inroads into the need for affordable housing? Byers and Page are optimistic, and Sandy Bishop, chair of the Housing Advisory Commission, agrees. In the first three years of operations, 2019 to 2022, the Home Fund helped five nonprofits complete 109 units of affordable housing countywide. Now, in 2022, Bishop adds, the fund will support another 71 units. Not to be understated is the level of credibility the Home Fund creates for the county. State housing grants total $275 million annually, said Page after the council vote. Our relatively modest funding horizon could get buried in the spreadsheets. But because we have this reliable, predictable, politically popular funding source, plus private donors, the state knows we will hold up our end of the bargain. And now, some choice excerpts from the San Juan County Sheriff's Log. On October 5th, a San Juan County deputy stopped the driver of a vehicle for traveling 90 miles per hour in a posted 45-mile-per-hour speed zone. Citations were issued for speeding and second-degree negligent driving. I'm sorry, little editorial here. No one needs to be driving 90 in a 45 zone. If you're late for the ferry, it's your fault. You should have left earlier. Thank you. Back to the sheriff's log. A San Juan deputy stopped the driver of a vehicle and issued them a citation for failing to drive right of a roundabout, approximately 20 minutes after stopping the same vehicle for another citation. On October 6th, an Orcus deputy responded to a report of vandalism. Unknown suspects entered and destroyed a glamping tent, causing approximately $1,300 worth of damage. There are no suspects or leads. On October 7th, Lopez deputies responded to a fistfight at a local establishment where one individual attacked another following an insensitive joke. The deputy drafted a probable cause for assault. On October 8th, a Lopez deputy issued a parking citation for a boom lift that was left for multiple days and nights at Audlin County Park's day-use parking lot. On October 9th, a San Juan deputy responded to a reported theft. The caller had observed someone with a political sign in their hands and provided a vehicle license number and a description of the person to the deputy. The investigation continues. On October 10th, a deputy on Orcus responded to a complaint of animal cruelty and determined the complaint was unfounded. On October 11th, a deputy on Orcus was dispatched to a possible assault call that had happened the day prior in East Sound. After an investigation was completed, it was found no crime had been committed. Deputies responded to a report of disorderly conduct in Friday Harbor. One person was found walking in the middle of the street so extremely intoxicated that he fell down and was deemed to be a danger to himself and others. 
he was taken into protective custody and to the hospital. A San Juan County deputy stopped the driver of a vehicle because the driver had a suspended license. The driver and passenger switched seats when the deputy was turning around, and the original driver was arrested and booked. The passenger was issued a criminal citation for making a false statement. This concludes the October 19, 2022 edition of the Island Digest. This edition is brought to you by Orcas Center. Orcas Center is your place for fun and intrigue this fall with live concerts, performances, art openings, and more. To check out upcoming events and purchase tickets, visit www.orcascenter.org. Thank you for listening to the Island Digest, a small sampling of what's in your local print newspapers this week. The Journal, Sounder, and Weekly rely upon advertising, subscriptions, and donations to support our mission of high-quality community journalism. To contribute, visit our websites or email publisher Colleen Smith-Summers at csmith at soundpublishing.com. Thanks again, and tune in next week for more local news from San Juan County, Washington. I'm Caleb Summers.